morning, everybody. Stephen got it. How are we doing? Happy Sunday. Are we happy to be in church? Are we all tired from our weekend? <laughs> this is a little crazy. Uh, well, my name is Brooke. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my husband and I serve here as the youth pastors, and I also get to oversee the women's ministry which I love so much. And so we're just blessed to be a part of this church and to serve under Pastor Jeff and Christy. And we just have so much fun. So I'm excited to preach this morning and bring the word that the Lord has laid on my heart. Uh, if you've been ar around at all this summer, you know that we have been in a sermon series called Grow. And we're talking about the spiritual gifts and how the spiritual gifts further the kingdom of God. And so when we accept Jesus, we receive salvation. And with that comes the Holy Spirit who gives us gifts to equip us to do God's will. So that's what we've been talking about. Uh, before we dive into today's topic, I just want to look at a scripture verse where we find some of the spiritual gifts. Now, there are a few different scripture verses that we pull uh, the spiritual gifts from, but this is the one that we're going to look at specifically this morning. And it is found in Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. And it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So let's pray before we get into the word this morning. Lord, I thank you that you're such a good personal God that you give us gifts to do your will, to accomplish your will. And so I just pray right now that you would just stir something in everyone's heart here today that they would have a deep desire to walk in whatever you have asked them to do, to walk in the spiritual giftings that you have given them. So I just pray for um, just a harvest as we start operating in the gifts that you've given us. I pray today that uh, hearts would just be opened and that I would get out of the way that you would have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, we are going to talk about the spiritual gift of leadership. Now, just as we have talked about every other week, everybody is called to a lot of these spiritual gifts, right? Everyone is called to be encouraging. Everyone is called to love. Everyone is called to show mercy. Everybody is called to give. But some of us have an extra measure of some of these gifts or an extra anointing of some of these gifts. And the same goes for spiritual leadership. As believers, we are actually all called to be a leader in whatever situation that God has placed us in because wherever we are, we represent God. Now, recently, I saw an Instagram post, and the Instagram post basically said, as a Christian, you are a leader, and as a leader, you represent God, and as you represent God, you represent the family of God, so don't embarrass the family. Now, at first, I thought it was a pretty clever post, and it reminded me very quickly of how every time my kids, we have three kids, every time they leave our house, and they go to a friend's house, what do we say as parents? Use your manners. 
be kind. If you have to toot, please excuse yourself and go to the bathroom. Uh, let's be helpful. Clean up after yourself. Basically, we're saying don't embarrass the family. Don't embarrass me. Represent me well. But the reality is, is our kids will fail us, right? They will embarrass us. And it's okay when they fail. There's no need for the embarrassment. We desire our kids to lead well. We desire our kids to represent us well. But when they fail, as parents, it's our job to give them consequences and to keep encouraging them to step up and lead in the way that they are called to lead. Now, in the same way, when we embarrass God, there's no need for actual embarrassment. We will let him down. We will let the family of God down. And we do need to strive to lead well. And we need to strive to represent God well and represent the family of God well. But when we fail, there is no shame. There is no embarrassment and there is no condemnation. Yes, there might be consequences for our failures and for our sins, but we're all called to get up and lead again. So today, as I said, we're talking about spiritual leadership. So what is leadership? There are two different types of leadership that we're going to talk about today. There is natural leadership, and then there is supernatural or spiritual leadership. So the first, natural or worldly leadership. Now, Forbes had an interesting article on leadership, and they defined it as leadership is the process of social influences which maximizes the efforts of others toward the achievement of a goal. Now, this kind of leadership is very focused on position. It is focused on authority. It is focused on influence and hierarchy. A natural leader is somebody who is self-confident, self-reliant, really enjoys command, and seeks personal status or reward. Now, these things aren't necessarily bad, but they are the total opposite of what we are called to as spiritual leaders. This type of leadership, natural leadership, is actually our natural bend as humans. As humans, how many of you know we like to be in charge? We like to rule, and we like to try and climb that corporate ladder. And today, I really believe this is even more true with the rise of social media and the desire to be influencers. Everybody wants a rise to fame. Everybody wants to get thousands of likes on their social media posts. Everybody wants as many followers as possible. There is such a desire to be known and to be seen and to be in charge and to ultimately seek self-glorification. Now, as Christians, we can use our influence to leverage God's glory, but oftentimes I do believe that there is an unbalanced heart really when it comes down to it. Now, spiritual leadership is much different. During my research for this message, I bought a fabulous book. Uh, it is called Spiritual Leadership, and it was by J. Oswald Sanders. I will never let any of you borrow it, because you'll never be able to read it, because I literally like marked up the whole entire book. It was so good. But it's actually a really old book, uh, and it was rewritten, revised recently. And in his research on the topic of leadership, I, he noticed that the word leadership is actually only used in the Bible 
six times in the King James Version. So when it was kind of rewritten uh, in English, only six times. Now, this is pretty shocking when you think about it because there are so many spiritual leaders and so many instances of leadership throughout the entire scriptures. Instead, where we find leadership passages or where we find the word leader or leadership in our newer translated Bibles, the more appropriate word would actually be servant. Now, when I think of Jesus, I think of Jesus much more of a servant than a leader. And he actually defines himself that way. And Jesus had every single right to define himself as a leader. But that's not what he says. Mark 10:45 tells us that when Jesus says, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Think about that for a moment. Jesus, who is fully God, surrendered all of his privileges of being God for service. If Jesus, who is called to surrender his leadership abilities and capabilities, how much more are we called to surrender our worldly privileges of our leadership? I love how J. Oswald Sanders defined leadership in his book. He said, true leadership is found in giving yourself in service to others, not coaxing or inducing others to serve you. I love that because I feel like that is social media right there. So often you're coaxing people to buy what you're selling. (laughs) True service is never without cost. It often comes with a bitter cup of challenges and a painful baptism of suffering. Not the most encouraging, but when you read the word of God, boy, do you see that is the true definition of a spiritual leader. Instead of being a leader who is interested in influence and command and position and rewards and authority, one who is self-reliant or self-confident, a spiritual leader is one who is confident in God, who only seeks God's will instead of reward or attention, one who is humble, completely depends on God for all things, and desires obedience to God in every circumstance. This is the type of leadership that we are all called to as Christ followers. This isn't just for the pastors. This isn't just for the leaders in the Christian circles, but this is for Christ followers in whatever place that God has called you and positioned you to lead in. So now that we've defined spiritual leader, who is called to be a spiritual leader? Everyone, everyone, just as I stated, I believe that everybody is called to be a spiritual leader wherever God has placed you. Again, we have talked about this every single week with spiritual gifts, how uh, some people get an extra measure, an extra blessing, or an extra anointing of these spiritual gifts, and the same goes for spiritual leadership. Just with any of the spiritual gifts, God anoints people with the gift of spiritual leadership. Now we should all continue to grow and to strive in our self or in our spiritual leadership, but uh, spiritual leadership is never something that is self-appointed. Now recently I was finishing a book in the Bible and I was kind of just praying like, Lord, where, what do you want me to read next? And and I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit was like, time to read First and Second Kings. And if I'm being honest, <laughs> when I'm like really digging in and trying to study a book in the Bible, 
I don't love the Old Testament because it's just a little harder. <laughs> and I have to write all the, how everyone's related down and make maps and everything. And, and I just feel like I can grasp, grasp the New Testament a little bit better. And so I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, it's time for First and Second Kings. And I'm like, oh, great, I'll do it. Um, and so this, little did I know that this was totally God's provision for me because I, as I knew I was going to talk about spirit, spiritual leadership, I began praying like, Lord, there's so many directions. I don't really know how to go about this. And literally the first two chapters in First, and sec- in first Kings is all about self-appointed leadership. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 1. It is in the Old Testament. If you don't bring your Bible, I would highly encourage you to bring your Bibles to church and just mark them up and highlight all the things and the things that the Lord is speaking to you. Because so often I look back on my Bible and see all the encouragement, all the ways that the Lord has challenged me to grow in him. Uh, but here in 1 Kings chapter 1, the first thing we read about is that King David, who is the king of Israel, is very old at this point. He's really kind of out of the loop when it comes to the things of the king kingdom of Israel. And we see that David's son, Adonijah, realizes his dad is old, and he decides that he's going to actually appoint himself as the king. In verse 5, we read just that. It says, about this time, David's son, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, began boasting, I will make myself king. So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers and recruited 50 of his men to run in front of him. So that's exactly what Adonijah did. He self-appointed himself. He gathered all these people that he thought would support him, and he basically threw himself a large party proclaiming his rule and his reign. Now, if you skip down to verse 11, you'll see that the prophet Nathan finds out about Adonijah's little coup, and he goes and he tells David's wife Bathsheba that Adonijah is taking the, the throne and making himself the king. Now, Bathsheba, who is also Solomon's uh, mom, goes and reminds King David that it's actually Solomon that is supposed to take the throne. And Solomon is David and Bathsheba's son. He's supposed to be the king. Solomon, being the king, was actually an agreement that God and David had made together. And in verse 32, you'll see, if you skip down, sorry, I know it's a lot of skipping around this morning, but if you'll skip down to verse 32, you'll see King David orders three of his men to go and get Solomon and anoint him as the king of Israel, just as God had planned. If you look at verse 41, you'll see that Solomon gets anointed the king of Israel while Adonijah is still having this little celebration, actually big celebration, of his proclaimed rule. Now, I think this is so great. Adonijah's over there. He's having a big party. He's probably got the people bowing down to him, feeding him grapes, like fanning him. And then he like hears, oh, what's that sound? I hear competing. There's another celebration going on. What is happening in that cell? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Looks like my brother, Solomon, is the king. Now, I do feel like that'd be pretty humiliating. However, Adonijah did do it to himself. So there's a few things that we can learn from this story. The first thing that we can learn, again, is that a spiritual leader is never self-appointed. 
A leader is always anointed in God's timing and in his will. Adonijah, when you think about it, he was actually pretty clever in this story, right? We know he waited till his dad was done. His dad was tired. His dad was old. And then he tried to sneak his way into taking over the throne. He completely self-appointed himself. The second thing that we can learn from this story is that self-appointed leadership can be deceptive. Now I say can be deceptive because there's some exceptions that we'll talk about later on, but here we see that Adonijah appoints himself as king behind his father's back and against the support of the prophet Nathan. Adonijah, he actually went and convinced some of King David's men to also get behind him and support him in becoming king. He went and found Joab, who was King David's commander of his army, and tricked him to believe that he was the rightful heir to the throne. So when you think about it, there was nothing honest, there was nothing truthful, and there was nothing pure in the way that Adonijah tried to take the throne. The third thing that we see in this story is that self-seeking glorification never goes over well with God. In chapter 3, we see that Adonijah again does something sneaky. This time, he goes and asks Solomon if he can marry one of King David's former wives. Now, scholars believe that this was actually another way that Adonijah was trying to sneak in and take over the throne. Now, this would, been a vi- would have been a very serious act of treason, and because of that, Adonijah was actually executed. Why did all of this happen? All because of Adonijah's desire for self-seeking glorification and promotion. Only God anoints spiritual leaders. We should never seek to appoint ourselves Now, throughout the whole course of the Bible, we will see countless stories of God appointing specific leaders for specific tasks, and the majority of the leaders that God chooses would be leaders that the world would never, ever look to for leadership. Just think about the 12 disciples that Jesus chooses. The majority of the 12 disciples were fishermen. Now, fishermen, back in biblical times, they were not very educated. They didn't have a whole lot of influence in their community. They probably didn't come from a lot of money. Then you have Simon, who is a zealot, which means he is completely against Roman rule. And then you have Matthew, who's a tax collector for the Romans. Now, in today's day and age, that would be like two people completely on the opposite sides of the political spectrum. Yet this is who Jesus chooses to carry out his mission. Now, if I was Jesus, (laughs) and thank goodness I'm not Jesus, I would be like, who's the most educated? (laughs) Who's really, who's a good public speaker? Because sometimes when I get up there and I'm preaching the Sermon on the Mount and it's 12 hours long, I just want somebody to come in and take over so I can have a break. Who can, um, who has enough money to financially support themselves? Because I'm getting really tired of asking the little boy if he's got any leftover fish and loaves, right? Like those would be people that I would be looking to, people that can just kind of rely on themselves, but that is not who Jesus chooses at all. He specifically anoints these men for his will of servant leadership. Now, do you think this means that all these 12 disciples get it all right all the time? 
that they do everything correctly? No, of course not. Even though Jesus chooses these specific men to lead this movement of Christianity with him, James and John, two of his disciples, let their leadership go to their heads. We see this in the book of Mark, chapter 10, and we see it in verse 37. And we see that James and John ask Jesus for a favor. And they say, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit next to you in the place of honor, one on your right and the other on your left. So basically, James and John go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we are as good as you. We've been working as hard as you've been working. We deserve all the glory. We deserve as much glory as you do, Jesus. We deserve as much honor as you do. As I was reading these verses, I felt like this was a very strong warning and rebuke to us as believers. Because even when God anoints you for a specific task or a specific job, we need to Watch our hearts. We need to guard our hearts against arrogance, against hardening of hearts, against self-glorification, against the desire to promote ourselves and the desire to receive as much glory as we could ever receive. Part of the reason why I believe Jesus does ministry in a community is for the sake of accountability. The Bible tells us that when James and John say something stupid, the 10 other disciples become indignant with their remarks. So it's important that we too, as a body of believers, surround ourselves with people that can help keep us in line, that can help warn us when we're seeking seeking too much self-glorification, prestige, or promotion. I love Jesus' response to James and John. And first, first he kind of uh, rebukes them, but we're going to look at verses 42 through 45 together, and it says this. Jesus called them together and said, You know the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must also be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. I love that. I love that scripture verse. And in my opinion, that is basically Jesus's definition of a leader, a servant. So again, who is called to be a spiritual leader? We are all called to be spiritual leaders, but some of us are given an extra blessing, an extra anointing of spiritual leadership. Second, a spiritual leader is one that never self-appoints himself. Again, we saw, we saw, this, saw this with Adonijah and how he self-appointed himself. Third, a spiritual leader is one that is always anointed by God. Again, we see examples of this with King David. We see it with King Solomon. We see it with the 12 disciples. And really, if you open up your Bible, you'll see tons of different uh, instances which God appoints certain leaders. Now, you might be in here, you might be thinking, well, actually, I'm not a great leader. And actually, I have a past that does anything but bring glory to God. And there's no way that God would ever use me to lead or to serve. And if that's how you're feeling this morning, I just want to take a moment and introduce you to my buddy, the Apostle Paul. 
If you're new to church, uh, the Apostle Paul was actually a great spiritual leader, but he really had no business being raised into a spiritual leader. The Apostle Paul had quite the past before he found the Lord, and before he found the Lord, his name was actually Saul. Now, Saul was a natural leader in the way that we defined it earlier. He was super smart. He was uh, really well-educated. He stuttered, studied under some of the leading rabbis of the day. And we can also assume that Paul came from status and finance because he was so well-educated. But unfortunately, Saul was not a man of God, and he actually killed many of the earlier followers of Jesus. So this was an evil man. Now, keeping with our Mario theme, we can think of Saul like Bowser, right? He's the villain, and he's causing all these problems for the new converts, Mario and Luigi. And Mario and Luigi are out there, and they're spreading the gospel, and they've got Princess Peach, and they've told Princess Peach all about Jesus. And then there's Saul, and he's trying to rip Peach away from Mario and, and Luigi. And, and the thing is, in Mario, there's no hope for Bowser, right? He's always the villain. But in the gospel, there's hope for everyone, including Saul. And even though Saul was so evil, Jesus redeems everybody, and he, that's exactly what he did with Jesus. Saul had this moment where he meets Jesus, and Jesus changed him, and he gave him the name Paul. Paul got filled with the Holy Spirit, and now Jesus took all of his natural leadership abilities that he had, and he refined them to make Paul one of the most highly regarded spiritual leaders of all time. In fact, A.W. Tozer calls Paul the most successful Christian in the world. Only God could anoint a natural leader who was the most aggressive opponent of Christ and mold him into one of the most influential leaders the church has ever seen. Paul is such an amazing example to us in many ways, but the story of Saul to Paul is such a great reminder that God redeems all people and that no one is too far beyond being redeemed. It's also a beautiful story of how God takes our natural abilities and he refines them and he makes them into something more beautiful than we could have ever imagined. So how do you know if God has anointed you with a gift of spiritual leadership? I would probably say that you do already possess some of these natural leadership tendencies. Now again, natural leadership tendencies are not good enough to be a good spiritual leader. And actually, as we just talked about, most of those qualities need to get refined and surrendered to Jesus anyways. But I would ask, are people naturally drawn to you? Do they look to you to make a decision? Are you a person that has a good reputation? Do you have a way of rallying people together around a cause? Are you a visionary? If you said yes to some of these natural qualities of a leader, then maybe God has anointed you with a spiritual gift of leadership. Unfortunately, though, I believe we see a lot of leaders operating out of their natural abilities instead of relying on the Holy Spirit to transform their natural tendencies into supernatural leadership. And I really believe that's why we see so many failures in the place, places of leadership, especially within the church. 
oftentimes when God anoints us for something, it is also confirmed through other people. We see this happen a lot in the church world. Uh, recently, we had the opportunity to go on a missions trip to Ecuador, and one of the last nights, I felt a prompting of the Holy Spirit to tell one of our students that I believe that God had called him into ministry, and that he, I, I was like, I believe you're called into ministry and in a rural setting. And it was so fun because he came to me afterwards and he was like, the Lord literally put that on my heart. And so don't take confirmation from other people lightly. It's how God uh, uses other believers to kind of call you into what you've been called into, right? There are so many times in my life where this has happened, where I feel like I need to give something up, change behavior, do something new. And people have come up to me and confirmed that in me. Now, another thing that we can look for is when people call you out in your spiritual gifts. There is absolutely no way I would be standing here today if it wasn't for godly men and women calling me into my giftings. And so when a godly person starts telling you, hey, this is what I see in you, let your ears perk up a little bit. Start praying about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to continue to develop those gifts in you. So pay attention. Watch for those confirmations. Watch for people calling you into your giftings. So let's say you're sitting in this room today and you feel like God has anointed you with the spiritual gift of leadership. What does that mean? It means that we don't stop growing, we don't stop refining, and we don't stop learning. There's a lot of young people on TikTok right now, and they're talking about how the church just wants to change them, and they talk about how the church is not accepting. And every time I hear one of these TikToks, I get a little fired up because, one, the church should always be accepting to everybody, and two, it is not the church that has called you to change. It is Jesus Christ that has called you to change. In Christianity, there's no room for stagnation. There's only room for growth and becoming more like Jesus and being refined. That is what it means to be a Christ follower. So what does that have to do with leadership? It means you don't stay where you are. You don't stay where you are in your leadership qualities. It means every single day you're praying and believing that you would become more like Jesus. You're praying that you would love more like Jesus, that you would serve more like Jesus. As I was studying for this message, I just compiled a list of qualities that I want to see in myself as a spiritual leader because I do believe that God has anointed me with a spiritual gift of leadership. And these were some qualities I found in the book that I was reading, some that I have seen other spiritual leaders in my life possess some of these qualities, and then some that I have seen within the scriptures. And these are all ways that I want to grow in. <laughs> they are absolutely not. Uh, I have not mastered these qualities at all. So I just want to throw those up on the screen just to kind of give you an idea. But a spiritual leader is always one that is spirit-filled. I want to be so full of the Holy Spirit that there is no room for me. Another quality that I want to possess is I want to possess all, or I want to serve all people. There are some people that are really easy to serve and there are some people that are not so easy to serve. And as spiritual leaders, we need to serve all people. I want to suffer well for Christ. I don't know if you know this, but the mark of a servant leader is suffering. 
That doesn't mean that every day we need to be like looking around our shoulders like, where's the calamity coming from today? It just means when we face times of trial, are we suffering well for Jesus? Another thing is I don't want to use pressure or force or manipulation in my tactic when dealing with people. I want to be a leader that can discipline those we're leading without making a power play. If I'm being honest, back in some of, we've been in ministry, what, like almost nine years, and in the beginning, this is easy to do. This is super, uh, disciplining people and using a power play is really, really, really easy to do. And um, this is something that in youth ministry, so often what you're doing is you're calling students up and out, right? You're saying, hey, I see you tripped up in this sin and I want to help you because I believe God has more for you and I see this for your future and I know that God has called you to this and so I don't want you to stay stuck here. I want you to call, I want to call you up and out. It's a lot easier though to be like, what did you do? You are, you did it again. You're so dumb. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to call people up and out. I want to be a peacemaker. I want to be a leader that is trustworthy and loyal and honest. I want to be a leader that puts people at ease. Have you ever been around a leader and instantly you just start sweating? (laughs) Like you're super nervous. You can't say anything. Nothing goes rolling off the tongue very well. I do not want to be a person that makes people feel intimidated. I want to be a person that just people can come to me. They can say whatever they want. They can show up however they want. And I just put people at ease. I want to be a a leader that's quick to forgive. Um, Just as I know people have had to forgive me, I want to extend forgiveness towards other people, especially when you're in leadership because people burn you, and it can be really hard. You get bogged down by that, and so we need to be quick to forgive and quick to kind of move on from some of that. I want to be steady and positive. Steady meaning I want to be the same person at all times. Uh, I don't want people to be like, which version of Brooke are we going to get today, right? I want to be the same at all times. I want to be positive. Nobody likes to follow a pessimistic leader. We need to be optimistic in the things that God has for us. I want to be a courageous leader. I've said this before, but my biggest goal in life is to be like 80 years old, with my husband and our kids and future grandkids someday and sitting around a fire and just saying all the times that we stepped out and were courageous for Jesus. And not in any way of a, look at us, we're so courageous, but kids, God is going to ask you to do do something hard too and look at all the ways that God was faithful to us in our life and so you can step out and you can be bold and you can be courageous because God will come through for you just as he came through for us. I want to be a woman of my words. That means my yeses are yes and my noes are no. I want to have a godly reputation with believers and unbelievers. I want to be a woman of conviction and not my own conviction, but conviction of God's, of the Holy Spirit. I want to be wise and prophetic. I want to use God's wisdom, the wisdom of the word, not the world's wisdom or not my own wisdom, but godly wisdom. A woman of one book, which is the Bible. I want to be free from any secret indulgences that might undermine Christ's witness, right? Again, that means we're the same person wherever we are. There's no secret indulgences. I want to be obedient to Christ no matter the cost. I want to not be intimidated 
by others' gifts or talents, but I want to stay focused on the things that I'm good at. Now, I don't mean this in a way of like, look at me, I'm gifted in this, but I mean it in a way that in the beginning of when we got called into ministry, I was very intimidated by other people's gifts and the things that they were good at, and I would constantly be like looking at them like, oh my gosh, they can do everything and I can do nothing. And now I feel like the Lord has refined me a little bit more, and this is always a temptation, but we need to stay focused on the things that God has called us to and celebrate other people in their gifting. So keep pushing them forward and saying, you're doing great. You're doing so awesome. Look at what God has called you to do while I stay, stay strong in the things that God has called me to do. And then lastly, I want to make it my responsibility to pass on the torch to those coming behind us. These are the ways that I feel called to grow and to lead so if you're in here today and you're like, yeah, I kind of do feel the anointing for spiritual leadership, I would challenge you to go home and make a list of qualities and characteristics that you want to see God grow in you to be the best spiritual leader that you can be. And again, as spiritual leaders, we, we want to be so full of the Holy Spirit that there is no room for our flesh. And lastly, in our final moments, I just want to talk about how there might actually be some times in your life when you do feel like God has called you into higher level of leadership. How do we know that we're doing it in a way that brings God glory? The first thing that we have to do when we get called into higher levels of leadership is make sure that you are seeking the will of God. And we can do this by seeking godly wisdom we can do this by proceeding with caution. So oftentimes I feel like we think we need to make a decision really fast. But sometimes the most beneficial thing we can do is slow down a little bit. And then lastly, pray. God is not sneaky. He's not going to withhold if something is right or wrong for you. He might ask you to wait. He might ask you to go. Or he might um, say no. The second thing you need to do is if you feel like you've been called into higher level of leadership is make sure that you have a holy ambition and not a selfish ambition. Again, our natural bend is for more money, more prestige, more command, more glory. But as Christ followers, we're called to have a holy ambition instead of a selfish ambition. And a holy ambition is one that has a burning desire to do God's will at all times, to be an effective servant and to allow God to move in such a way in your life that his full potential for your life will be realized. So again, it's okay to want to do more. It's okay to want to serve more. It's okay to want to maximize your gifts and potential as long as Christ is at the center. This is why it's important to have that body of believers around you just like James and John had so they could say, hey, <laughs> your head's getting a little too big because, again, our natural bend is selfish, so we need the accountability. And third, if you feel like you need to step up and lead where there is just a lack of leadership or in a higher level of leadership, you need to remember that you're actually called to serve. Based on how Jesus defined leadership, even in greater places of leadership, we are called to serve. Have you ever been around a high-level leader that serves really well? Maybe they clean up the garbage <laughs> after a mess that they did not make. Or maybe a wealthy person notices a down-and-out person and offers to help them. Or maybe it's a high-level, influential leader who makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. These things do not go unnoticed. 
So if you're a high level, if you're in a high level leadership position, make sure that you're serving and out of your service, you will be leading. So as we close today, I just want to take a moment and just pray for us. Um, I just want to pray that we would be challenged to grow in whatever area that the Lord has called us to, but specifically leadership. So if you'll close your eyes with me, we'll just pray. Jesus, we come before you, Lord. God, would you forgive us <laughs> for our natural bend of just being selfish, for seeking self-glorification, for seeking promotion, Jesus? I just pray that you would align your will for us in our lives, God, that you would make it so clear to us what you have called us to do. God, that everything that we would do would bring you glory. Lord, I just pray that we would feel the anointing that you have given us, Jesus, and whatever spiritual gift that might be. And again, Lord, I thank you that when we fail you, when we fail the family of God, there's no shame, there's no embarrassment, there's no condemnation. Your word tells us that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I thank you that we're all forgiven and we're all justified. Lord, when we fail you, though, I pray that we would have the boldness, that we would have the perseverance to get up and keep going in the ways that you have called us to lead. So, Jesus, just continue to make us more like you. We want to love like you. We want to lead like you. We want to serve like you. Jesus, make us your humble servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us this morning, Homestead. If you are in need of any prayer this morning, we will have our prayer teams come on forward. Otherwise, we will see you next weekend. Thank you, guys.